This is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad to have you, and we're in the middle of this snippets of the Sermon on the Mount, not in any order. And if you said, why is she suddenly in chapter 5 and then in chapter 6, and we started in chapter 7, because I've just been working through this reteaching. I have taught the Sermon on the Mount in its entirety several times, and I decided to be led in what portions we should begin with and what was going on in our country. And I started, I started at the very end of it when he talked about um, the narrow gate and that we should be hearers and doers, the foolish man and the wise men. And then I jumped over, and now I'm jumping back. And today I want to finish the lesson that we spoke about in the week, the week preceding, okay? And so we were talking about retaliation. We were talking about anger, and anger that God says, if you are angry, it is like murder. Pretty hard, pretty hard, isn't it, to hear that? And I know that I have been angry, and I know there have been times when I have been angry, out of control angry. Part of who I am in my DNA, um, if you know anything at all about certain tools of evaluations and assessments, part of my makeup is that I'm highly dominant, I'm highly strong, I'm highly perfectionist, and when I get mad, I don't stuff it, I get angry. And I used to get angry and spew. Now I just get angry, sometimes too long, but I get angry and do not sin. I am closer to that being a way of life. And that's what we talked about as we began that conversation. We decided to move into a series on anger. So if you have, if you're joining us today and you've just heard the first session on anger, Please go back and listen to the lesson I taught on Matthew uh, chapter 5, verses 21 through 26. It was aired a few weeks ago. So today we're going into the second session on anger, session two. There are two pressures that cause us to be angry. Goals are thwarted. And things we value are threatened. So I read this snippet somewhere. I wish I could give attribution. I can't. But I realized when I was preparing for this lesson, I just needed to read it. And here's how it goes. A brother was restless in the community and often moved to anger. Now, I believe they're talking about um, a perhaps... Um, an order of men or an order of women who have moved to live together, and he was a brother in the community, and his style was like mine, moved to anger. So he said, I will go and live somewhere by myself. 
And since I shall be able to talk or listen to no one, I shall be tranquil and my passionate anger will cease. So he went out and lived alone in a cave. But one day he filled his jug with water and put it on the ground. It happened suddenly to fall over. He filled it again and again it fell. And this happened a third time. And in a rage, he snatched up the jug and broke it. Returning to his right mind, he knew that the demon of anger had mocked him. And he said, here am I by myself. Anger has beaten me. I will return to the community. Wherever you live, you need effort and patience and above all God's help. And he rose up and he went back. And I resonate with that. I think if everybody and everything that thwarts my goals or threatens me would just go away and weave me my wound, then I would never be angry again. Ha ha. So you know what it looks like. You're finishing the laundry and the school calls and you've made dinner and your husband calls and the washer breaks down. Everything that happens. I see loved ones making opposite decisions. And I see all of us falling into a pattern that deals with anger and how we choose to do that. Today, I'm going to be reading from... Um, the message, which was written, rewritten or translated by Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson has been gone now for a few years. I think this is the third year. And I so value his words. And this is from Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 9. Can you hear me tossing the pages here? Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 9. Do not be quick to anger, for anger lodges in the bosom of fools. Ouch. Do not be quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the bosom of fools. The New Testament in James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20 repeats this. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Don't do it. You're accountable. Do something. Someone said to me, counting to 10 is not enough. And I said, count to 100. So don't be quick to your anger. These are the three principles in dealing with anger from a management side, okay? Don't be quick to anger. Secondly, don't be long to anger. Ephesians 4, 26 says that we are to be angry and do not sin. So don't let the sun go down on your anger. And I remember as a young bride, someone had said, whatever you do, don't go, go, don't go to bed um, mad at your husband. I thought, that doesn't seem possible because you've all heard the three light story. And how is it that I go to bed then? You know, if, is it I'm not supposed to go to bed or am I supposed to keep him awake until we resolve this? Not all anger is sin. But the believer needs to avoid consuming anger and holding on to anger, giving the enemy an opportunity for a stronghold. It's not that I got angry. 
I've been angry about a lot of things I should be angry about. And if you try to quench that rightness in you, people often say, oh, well, that's not angry. That's um, righteous anger. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no. That is anger. Maybe it is righteous because what you're angry about needs to be changed. But God tells us to be angry and sin not. He tells us we should make things right with a brother or sister. That if we think of this sin, we think of this insult, we should stop giving our offering and go to that individual and work it out. Come to terms quickly. God would take an entire section to address this subject, which we talked about a few days ago. The long simmer not dealt with results in anger and results in sin. Deal with what makes you angry. Um, This is a little thing that, uh, okay, I'm just going to read it. So there's a blonde girl, and she does not make me angry. Goals and values have been discarded and thwarted. That makes me angry, and I have let it simmer. I tried to repair it, to be at peace as much as is possible within me, out of Romans 12. And then I looked at the passage again, and I realized that he says, be at peace with all men as much as is possible within you, and let it go. Is it a broken relationship? Yes. Sometimes we think that we need to fix not only our anger, but resolve what had just happened. What had just happened was an injustice, okay? Jesus was angry. I think Jesus was angry in more ways than we often quote. I think he was angry because in Mark 3, verse 5, he talks about uh, the people who thought the Sabbath was more important than healing, and Jesus thought the healing was more important. We read in the Matthew passage that he goes into the synagogue, to the church, and he says, those money changers, those hucksters need to be taken out of the temple. And he's angry, and he throws it over the table. I think he was angry when he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Don't you understand at all? I think he was angry. But he didn't do anything that would make the situation unhelpful. He was angry about something. What he could do about it, he did. He was God. You've heard this said many times, love the sinner, the person, but not the sin, the action. That may be the hardest thing in the whole wide world to do. Because when that human being does the sin, I somehow or another have a hard time extracting the sin from the person. Sometimes it wasn't personal. How many times have I heard someone say, oh, they slighted me, or they walked by me, they didn't see me, they didn't talk to me. And I think, oh my goodness, we cannot let these things be taken personal. We have to be careful about what we see and what we feel, and we have to offer bushels and bushels of grace. My feelings weren't hurt. He didn't intentionally do something if he walked by and didn't see me. That's on me. So here's what we're called to do. Remember who God is. Remember that God will provide justice. When you think it should be done, no. 
when you're around to see it, not necessarily, but he will provide justice. Remember that the time clock is in his hands, not yours. You cannot tell God, I want this fixed and I want this fixed now. I remember saying that to my husband. I'm not leaving this spot until you, and he just looked at me. He said, you can't control me like that. And I thought, oh, yeah, I guess I can't. What I really mean, honey, is I'd like to get this fixed before we go out for dinner. Oh, he said, that's entirely different. We can do that in a minute. It was partly how I was saying it, but I had my time clock. And so I wanted to get it done. Remember that God can handle whatever frustrates you may not frustrate him in the same way. Remember that God can handle whatever irritates you. Remember God can handle whatever annoys you. I think of that so often because I get very annoyed by traffic. Not not that I get stuck in traffic. I'm really good about that. I can wait patiently. I was recently driving down a very large boulevard, three lanes on either side. I took it to go where I was going because traffic always moves so slowly. But guess what? Way ahead, like two miles ahead, they were doing major construction and moving the three lanes to one lane. Two miles before, they started narrowing all the traffic from three lanes to two lanes from two lanes to one lane for two miles. I just kept crawling along and crawling along. I didn't see anything. I couldn't see any construction work. And I was getting a little irritated. And I thought, what is going on here? And then I realized, oh, God knows what is going on here. And he's in charge. And when I got to the area where they were doing work, it was an area that I had said, boy, this sure needs to be repaired. <laughs> I thought it needed to be repaired, but I didn't want it to be repaired on my time clock. God doesn't. God doesn't behave that way, that way. God will not blow off steam for you by handling your injustice. God tells us, do not fret. Do not be anxious. In a couple of days, I hope you're hanging around for this whole series. We're going to talk about that lovely passage found in the Sermon on Mount. So here's how we do it. Make sure you spend plenty of time with God, listening to him. Be assured that the word from the word from God that you are loved and that your goals and values are properly placed. That way, they can't be thwarted by someone else. So what causes me to be angry? My goals get thwarted and things I value are threatened. So I'm asking you today to consider what are your goals? Are they in line with God? Are you spending enough time to know that doesn't matter to God at all? I assure you, if you recognize that you want your goals to be his goals, and if you recognize that all the things you value are not necessarily valued by God, like having a clean kitchen floor, I assure you that your anger fuse will be shortened. I'm Donna Otto. This is Modern Homemakers, and we are talking about anger. Remember the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of realigning your goals with God.